This is Film Trauma Podcast, and I am your host, Rick, and I spent my entire life savings buying Blu-rays. I have a lot of downtime as a professional tattoo artist, and instead of using that time productively to research my next art project, I spent it browsing Blu-ray forums, Instagram, and Facebook groups dedicated to collecting films released by boutique labels like Severin Films, Vinegar Syndrome, American Genre Film Archive, Arrow, just to name a few. When I saw a Blu-ray collection that rivaled my own, I would feel green with envy and red with rage, and I was compelled to fill my shelves with the films I felt my collection was missing. Now I find myself on the brink of financial ruin, but I've decided to spend my time on movies rather than my life savings and rediscover all the things that made me fall in love with the movies in the first place. If you're curious about what's in my top shelf collection, I've logged everything on Letterboxd. You can find me there under Film Trauma. I'm also on Instagram at Film Trauma Podcast and Twitter at Film Trauma Pod. Now, let's get into today's episode. Where demonic possession lives and evil penetrates the soul. Step inside, if you dare. Who are you? Jessica has gone beyond the door. At first, she didn't believe, but she does now. Yeah, Beyond the Door from 1974 was an Italian exorcist clone that was so infamous and ripped it off so egregiously that they were sued by Warner Brothers and had to pay an undisclosed fee after the film wrapped. So, 
I don't know. Um, I didn't know anything about Beyond the Door before I started watching it. And that's sort of the folly, uh, my folly, of buying and buying and buying without really researching or looking at these films. Just buying solely on the label alone, you know, um, the label they're released under and the artwork on the box. And that's, you know par for the course for me with my buying history even with uh with uh records and audio cassettes and cds as a kid being a music lover growing up in the 80s being obsessed with uh, heavy metal and everything else and heavy metal t-shirts and artwork that's how i judged what i was going to listen to not really by what anyone else said or what anyone else's opinion was but how rad the label looked and beyond the door looks super rad it was from Arrow, and it has a boatload of special features. So, of course I bought it. Of course I picked it up. Found it for 12 bucks or something, and I had to get it. So, I had no idea about this film going into it. And when you, when I, when you turn it on, the first opening sequence, it's a scene um, shot entirely, it's all in black, in a room full of candles. And then we gradually float over to a woman who's standing in a gown and she's looking down at herself uh, and she's strapped to this glowing a marble table with a pentagram and she's seeing herself possessed by Satan and she escapes and then um, she is accosted by Dimitri, the bearded man who we'll meet later on in the film and then we're greeted by a voice from Satan who we believe is Satan, at least, because he's he goes on this rant about his monologue about how um, images of him had fallen out of fashion in this uh, new um, uh, modern world. And it, it's not fashionable or favorable to depict him uh, in, in pop culture anymore. But the person sitting next to you in the theater may just be the devil himself. I thought that was a, a really cool, like... William Castle sort of touch that they're they're um, going beyond the door, breaking that fourth wall to address the audience immediately, which is a very like it's a very meta sort of thing. You know, it's like what something that Deadpool would do now, right? But um, they did it back then. They did it a lot, like in the fifties, and and it's it's just kind of a cool thing. But um, from there, the movie just kind of takes a hard left turn and. It's very just boring and um, not very engaging, and I'm sort of struggling to keep my attention with it. And I think it suffers from what a lot of Italian horror films suffer during that time, is poor overdubbing, poor distracting overdubbing. Now, the lead, uh, the female lead actress in this, she's fantastic. She's great. And her performance, of course, she overdubbed her own performance. And she's fantastic. She does a really good job. And the story uh, just centers around a couple who buy a home and they bring their annoying children uh, with them. Now, if you've seen House by the Cemetery, then you know how obnoxious that little kid is in House by the Cemetery. And that's exactly how obnoxious these kids are in this film. Only that, like, they give the kids some really adult lines. You know, like, they, they're swearing and they're making, like really blue comments to each other and it's okay I, I was rather shocking but I'm, I'm down with it in any case uh, they move into the house and they discover that the wife is pregnant with another child even though they're on birth control they use birth control and they really can't figure out why 
Um, so they go to the doctor and they find, also find out that the child inside her is growing rapidly and they just, they don't know why that is either. But then, um, Jessica, the wife, um, starts to, her mental state begins to deteriorate and she has these strange visions and it's about a quarter or half of the way through the first act where we see the very first um, a special effect of the film, the very first creepy moment where she's awakened from bed, uh, from her sleep, and she she levitates, standing straight up, levitates straight across the room. And I was like, okay, that's cool. It was the first thing, you know, 15, 15 minutes roughly into the film, we show that. So gradually, it's sort of the same thing. It's just this idea that, like, she is mentally deteriorating. Okay, so before I get too far ahead, uh, Dimitri. Dimitri is some man who he's tasked with uh, making sure that Jessica's child is born for whatever reason. It's the son of Satan, and Dimitri must make sure that he is born. And what's at stake is his very mortal soul. So if he, if he accomplishes this task for Satan, Lucifer, then he is allowed to potentially um, keep his life a little bit longer on earth. He may, he may be allowed to live a little bit longer. So Dimitri appears randomly in the film. He just kind of pops his head in and out. We see him in the background. He doesn't really introduce himself to the family until Geez, I think it's like an hour into the film, you know, it's like the beginning of the third act that Dimitri finally makes his appearance. And at this point, Jessica's uh, mental health has deteriorated to the point where she's she goes to her own physician and says, hey, you know, I want an abortion. And if you don't give me an abortion, I'm going to abort myself. And you're like, OK. Because she, her reason being that this pregnancy is driving her mad. The child inside of her, she says she feels it's suffocating her, quite literally. And she it has to be done with it. And the doctor agrees and says, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, this was the plan of action that your husband and I uh, came up with for you. And, you know, we, I don't, that's a very archaic, barbaric sort of thing, right? But um, she is of the opinion that she, suddenly, like, she hears the devil, Satan, whispering in her ear, um, whispers some phrase into her ear, and, and suddenly uh, Jessica's opinion turns. And she's like, stay away from me. You know, I, you know I'm going to, that's the clip from the trailer, the audio clip where she says, I will kill anyone who tries to take this baby from me. So it's a very strange moment where you, she comes in wanting one thing and then pivots and does a complete 180 and then wants the complete opposite. So, and obviously I guess that that's to illustrate the um, influence of Satan. So there are a lot of things that, um, beyond the door borrows from the exorcist, uh, quite liberally, but there's also a lot of things, uh, scary elements and shots and interesting ideas that beyond the door has on its own that does set itself apart at least a little bit from the exorcist. Now, I think it was probably just a cash grab. I don't know for sure. I didn't spend any time with the supplemental features. I just didn't want to spend any more time with this movie in general because I was utterly bored by it. But um, it is a film that I will go back and revisit and uh, watch the special features for sure. 
um, there's plenty of documentaries and uh, supplemental features and audio commentary tracks. There's a couple audio, audio commentary tracks on here that I would uh, enjoy listening to just for the history of the film um, as it stands and the history, learning something about the film industry, which I'm uh, very much into the idea of. But um, it does have some, Beyond the Door does have really good ideas and some pretty scary moments. In fact, in the middle of the film, there's a sequence where the children uh, wake her, their mother up in the middle of the night, and Jessica is laying face down on the bed. And it's this really cool shot where they come into the children come into the room, and Jessica's laying face down. And she has this beautiful blonde hair, and instead of like rolling over, her head just turns around completely, and it shows this sardonic grin. And it's very creepy. She's wide-eyed with the contact lenses and the teeth and all cracked lips and all. It's very scary. It's very scary. And it was a very chilling scene. And there's a couple other moments like that. Um, and at this point, like, the exorcist, um, <laughs> beyond the door, uh, it borrows so heavily from the exorcist that you can really see um, the, the, uh, the, the, the parallel. You can draw the lines between the two. I know The Exorcist backwards and forwards, um, and if you do too, you'll be able to watch Beyond the Door and pick out all of these moments, and it makes it sort of a rather endearing film that way, a rather endearing experience, That, um, but it's also a cash grab. I mean, really, you know, like, if, if this was made by a fan or a, a low-budget a guy in the Wisconsin woods somewhere, then you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is cool. This is made with love. This is this is a fun thing. But it's just a cash grab, too, because The Exorcist was the most shocking uh, film of the year. It was very controversial, right? So they just they kind of cashed in on that, right? So which is, you know, what kind of they did sometimes. Um, and that's okay. I have no problem with that. I love Italian horror films stylistically. I think they are not afraid to take chances, and be very bold and brazen and, and stylish in ways that American films quite aren't that way sometimes. Uh, um, but again, you know, the, sometimes the quality just isn't there. And it's, it's just the budget and the means that hold the Italian productions back or that held the Italian productions back of that era. So um, I think what sets apart Beyond the Door from The Exorcist is the this idea of Dimitri in that well I guess really it's, it's sort of like Rosemary's Baby meets The Exorcist and they just blend those two films together you have the husband and wife dynamic and then you don't have any of the religious elements in Beyond the Door I think that's completely removed except for the idea of Lucifer and the idea of Satan and the occasional pentagram or whatever that's in the beginning and the idea of Satan's son and all this, but there really is none of that in there. Um, so all of that is sort of out the window, and therefore it, it does depart from that a little bit. But um, the idea of Dimitri being this this guy who's on a mission to save his own soul, whether or not he cares much about Jessica, the welfare of her, of her child, or of her family, or her marriage at all, is neither here nor there. I think that Dimitri's goal, his only he only care in the world is he cares about himself. He wants to save his mortal soul. And that's made very clear from the beginning. Otherwise, why would he bother? 
right? I mean, he does uh, say at some point to the to the husband later that he did know Jessica previously and he did love her. Um, I noticed that, but I don't know how accurate that is. They didn't elaborate on it much unless I, I missed it. Maybe, maybe I tuned out or something <laughs> later on at that point. And I did find myself tuning out quite a bit in this film. I tried super hard with this one, but the movie is way too long. It's it's nearly two hours, which is like, you know, 30 minutes too long, honestly. I mean, they could have wrapped this thing up in 85 minutes, a tight 85 minutes. And I would have arguably have been a better movie. I think because there's so much on-screen downtime showing the characters, the husband, Dimitri, even Jessica herself just meandering through the city, right? And just sort of like shopping or moving from place to place or someone is in pursuit of someone else. And there's so many redundancies in the dialogue and, and the interactions between like the physician and the husband and Dimitri and the husband and like Jessica and Dimitri and all these sort of interactions. They're all just repeating the same things over and over and over and over again. And like, you know, normally I'm of the opinion that some of these films, these, these, these trendsetters, these trailblazers are kind of immune to that harsh criticism and because they were trying something new or they were the first or, you know, I have to look at them as a whole, especially some of the films that are overdubbed. And you have to look past the quality of the English translation translation, or anything like that. Um, but this one, I feel, because it is a blatant cash grab, it, it does, uh, it is fair game for criticism because it, it, it you know, it, it, it's egregious. So... It does have a lot of shortcomings, but um, in the beginning, it did sort of remind me of other Italian films. Um, and maybe it even borrowed slightly from maybe Four Flies on Grey Velvet with the, with the band thing in the early in the beginning of the film. Now the husband, it works with music. You know, he's a producer or something, and he's um, uh, directing this jazz band, this quartet. Um, and it may, that sort of reminded me a little bit of that or potentially the Paganini horror. I mean, there was a little bit of that in there as well, even though like that was in Paganini horror, it was tied directly to the plot itself. But this, you know, doesn't have that. It just it just has these weird like jazzy R&B uh, elements to it that are like, rather strange, um, sort of like in Play Misty for me, where there's just that interlude of Clint Eastwood going to the Monterey or the jazz festival, you know, he just, and then there's just like these long in long interlude of jazz music that Eastwood just shoehorns into, into the end of the second act of, of play Misty for me, which is like, I don't, I don't never really understood that. Um, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not uh, as refined as some of the other cinephiles out there, but it was just like, eh, whatever. I don't care about jazz uh it was boring but um that's kind of how this is too it just has some weird and but i guess they do use some of the jazzy elements um to dramatic effect more or less like they have some of the weird musicians sort of uh hassling the husband on the street and they do talk they do bring it back a little bit again some of the music stuff later on but 
it didn't really go anywhere. I think it was just just to add another layer, maybe maybe even to differentiate itself from the final Exorcist product or whatever. But I don't know. Didn't really care for it. But um, yeah. So uh, in the end, um, Jessica has her baby. It's born without a mouth, and the little shit son, little shithead kid, is now possessed by the devil. So, I don't know. I didn't really care for it one way or the other. But um, the box is super cool. Uh, From the front of the box, it says, Evil grows beyond the door. Beyond this door, the most terrifying event in the history of mankind is about to occur. And on the back, it says, Legendary filmmaker whose tentacles and piranha 2 sought to cash in on the killer fish craze spawned by Jaws first hit pay dirt in 1974 with Beyond the Door, a gloriously bonkers riff on The Exorcist, featuring Emmy Award-winning actress Juliet Mills and distinguished British actor Richard Johnson. Set against the backdrop of San Francisco, Beyond the Door stars Mills as Jessica Barrett, a young mother who starts to develop strange behaviors whilst pregnant with her third child. Before you can say split pea soup, Jessica is displaying signs of full-blown demonic possession, complete with projectile vomiting and fully rotating head. Could it be that she's carrying the child of the Antichrist himself? Described as disgusting, scary trash, and maddeningly inappropriate by film critic Roger Ebert and subject to lawsuit by Warner Brothers, who claimed copyright infringement against a certain William Friedkin film, the devilish denizens at Arrow Video have summoned up this wickedly entertaining popcorn spiller in an, in an extras-packed edition fit for Satan himself. Yeah, so like there's a lot of nods, like tongue-in-cheek nods to the Exorcist too. Very cheeky, <laughs> very sly. The kid in the beginning in the back seat is sipping a can of green pea soup uh, uh, through a straw. And then the, like there's a there's a painting, like a, a blatant painting of of green pea soup on the wall and they just they use that 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 pureed spinach, that that green pea soup mixture uh so liberally in the in the film like they cover the the actors faces in it and it's just everywhere she's spitting it out she's sucking it off her fingers she it's just it's everywhere it's everywhere it just goes like they just turn it turns it up to 10 not nearly as shocking and as effective or long lasting or memorable as the exorcist uh beyond the door does have some really good moments and um the reason why I chose this one is because of all the traction that the new Evil Dead trailer has gotten in the last couple of days. And I'm just completely bored with remakes. And I'm completely bored with uh, that film series in general. Anything new from that, unless it has Bruce Campbell in it, I'm just not interested. Maybe it's just the old man cynic in me. But um, I, I'm not looking forward to the Exorcist remake or any of the remakes that I've seen in the last however long. I, I just, I, Hollywood has run out of ideas. And um, 
there are so many uh, independent writers out there, good writers, good screenplays, who have good original ideas that are not being made in favor of crap. And it's just too bad. But it should inspire all of these guys, myself included, guys and girls, myself included, to get out there and make your own fucking movie. Because that's the only way that we're going to get new ideas uh, across and new films out there. And there needs to be a new horror renaissance, a grassroots horror renaissance movement. And, um, you know, people like the guy, like the Terrifier guy, even though he stole a scene from our short film, um, people like that, he, you know, they should get their voices out there and be heard and get their independent films out there. And the fact that his tiny little movie for a micro budget is a smash hit is a really good sign even though he stole a scene from our movie. It's a really good sign that um, independent horror films are going to be popular again, and the dead shall rise. I guarantee it. So, you know what? I also, in my collection here, I do have Shock from Mario Baba um, from Arrow, and it is a sequel in name only, to Beyond the Door, and I was going to watch it until I looked a little bit deeper into it and decided that um, I had enough to talk about with Beyond the Door itself, and um, I can do Shock another time because it has no direct correlation to Beyond the Door, and neither does Beyond the Door 3, by the way, but I am interested in owning Beyond the Door 3, if it ever, I'm not sure if it's out, if anyone has released it, but um, I'm glad Arrow... Um, has both editions, one and two, and hopefully they will have three at some point. I do like it when the same label releases a trilogy um, under one umbrella because then I can have them all together. Uh, whereas, like the Amityville collection is, is split up between Arrow and Vinegar Syndrome and Canadian International Pictures. Even though, like, the best part about that, though, was I was able to discover Canadian International Pictures through the release of The Amityville Curse. So I'm, I'm very grateful f to that. But, um, hey, whatever, first come, first serve. If, you, if you're a small company and you can snag the rights to those films and put them out there, I think that's awesome. So I don't really know anything about um, those small production houses or how that process goes or the battle for rights or anything like that, but it's fascinating to me. And I'm glad that these little companies are coming up and doing something because, um, I think that at some point the natural progression of these boutique labels is to produce their own films. And I don't know if they have done that already or if they plan to in the future, but I hope that's the case. And I hope that they, you know, accept screenplay submissions at some point and from and, and make their own films that that's the natural progression to me like trauma right that that's the goal that's the goal that's the dream i mean lloyd kaufman did it he would spend 40 grand on one film and he says that and go watch the commentary for toxic avenger 4 and terror firmer or go watch the special features tromeo and juliet he says he spends when well, this was you know 20 years ago, but you know, he would spend that was his budget 40 grand for all those movies, and uh, it, it was amazing. He, he's he's my hero, so I can't wait to do some trauma films on this podcast, and uh, yeah, so that was Beyond the Door. Um, and, and if, you, if you're thinking about the new Evil Dead movie and you want to go see it, just skip it, skip it, and watch and go watch Beyond the Door. 
you know, go watch something else. Go watch uh, Satanica Pandemonium, Las Exorcista. Go watch The Possession with Sam Neill. You know, go watch something like that. Go watch and rediscover a lost classic, a hidden gem, instead of some pulpy, regurgitated crap that's uh, just special effects ridden, um, whatever. Who cares? It's, I have no interest in it at all. I would rather watch Beyond the Door 1, 2, and 3 10 times in a row than see any other remake for the rest of my life. I'm not interested at all. So, um, Beyond the Door is kind of an older release. I don't know when it was put out um, several years ago now. But, um, yeah, whatever. I'm sorry, the, the, the edition of the Blu-ray 20, well, 2020, I guess. A couple years ago. But, uh, yeah, it's a great film. Check it out. I'll never watch it again, uh, except for the commentary. But, yeah, so that's our show. Um, I'll see you tomorrow.